What's up, everybody? It's another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LaFave. You can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.LaFave. Follow me on Twitter at JevinLafave. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LeftSideHeavy underscore. Be sure to head to the YouTube Left Side Heavy and hit the subscribe button. Like all the videos. I am posting full video podcasts on there, so be sure to check that out. Today, I am bringing on Taryn Caravella from Pro Football Focus. We are reviewing week one, going over all the games. He is a cheesehead, just like reoccurring guest Corey, so we cover that game. And we preview week two. We give our player of the week for week one, player that kind of disappointed us. We dive into week two, and then we answer some questions from time for the press. So it was a very fun episode. And be sure to leave a rating and review as always, and enjoy the show. Episode 57 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast. I'm your host, Jevin LaFave. You can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.LaFave, on Twitter at JevinLaFave. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Left Side Heavy underscore. Be sure to head to the YouTube, Left Side Heavy, and hit the subscribe button. We post a full episode podcasts on there, so you can watch in video instead of audio. But today, I welcome on a very special guest. He is a data collector at uh, for PFF, Pro Football Focus, coming from the state of Wisconsin, Taryn Caravella. Thank you for joining the show, man. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And shout out to you. Pronounce my name right on the first try. That never happens. Never really? Happens. So yeah, I crushed it. <laughs> it looks like a pretty standard spell. Like it looks the way it pronounces. Oh. I'm surprised people mess that up. Oh yeah, I've heard it all. Tarin, Tarin, Caravella. It's just like nope, just Taryn Caravella. You know, just read it. <laughs> but yeah, props to you, Tarin. That's you've gotten Tarin before. Yeah, you know, I got Tarin when I was in high school. Um, my I was on prom court and we had to like walk across the stage and I wrote it, my name phonetically for the principal to read. So it was obviously Taryn and he goes Tareen Caravala in front of this whole crowd. Oh great. my gosh. So yeah. even when you tried to throw him a layup or like an alley-oop, he still, he still missed it. Yep. Just whiffed. Totally whiffed. <laughs> yeah. My, I kind of do the same for my name cause I have a B and an R in my name and obviously those are silent letters, so I had to like kind of spell it out the way you pronounce it. But mm-hmm. mine, my name is just like Devin, but a J instead of a D. And people say Javon, Jeevan. It's and I'm like, no, nope, just I had a, one of my best friends is named Devin too, and he was in my class a few times, and they said Devin, but then when they got to my name, spelt the same way but with the D instead of a J, and then they, my name's Javon now, and it's like, nope, same pronounce. But um, no, but uh, how have you been, man? Uh, it was a wild preseason, but I'm gonna kind of take it back a few steps. Your Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA championship. I saw that you were pretty active on Twitter throughout that whole run. Just to, I just want to get a fan's perspective of the Mil- uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Like, how good was that for the state, for the city itself? It was a wild run, and 
just like everyone was happy for Giannis in the end. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was phenomenal. This is a Milwaukee Bucks team that a few years back, you know, before we drafted Giannis and got the new owners, we didn't know if the city was going to maintain the team. They were thinking about moving them because we were just so bad. Um, but it, it was great for the state, you know, is one thing. Luckily, we have the Packers, so we, we do have some sports success pretty much from year to year. But, you know, they're up in Green Bay. So for the city of Milwaukee, it was it was really great to see. The whole city was lively, a lot of fun. And it was the first time I ever saw them even make a finals in my lifetime. So it was fantastic. Yeah, because there was a lot of storylines with that team overall, even like a couple seasons ago when Giannis talks like is he gonna leave Milwaukee and join somewhere else in free agency is he gonna demand a trade because Milwaukee isn't getting over the hump like are they gonna try and build more pieces around him and every box on the checklist was checked off like Giannis stayed he signed a massive deal and then they gave up future assets for a solidified point guard in holiday and it all it ultimately paid off. So no one's going to remember the traded away picks and stuff like that when you have a championship under your belt, right? It's it's all worth it in the end. So, no, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. But the NFL season had a lot of storylines itself going into this year. Whether, like, you're a Packers fan. I've had uh, I've, one of my uh, good family friends, Corey, he's a reoccurring guest of the show. He's a Packers fan as well. So... We've had many talks about this team going into the season. Rodgers, you know, Aaron Jones signing that big contract. I know you were pretty uh, vocal about that whole situation, but what was your uh, perspective and feeling of the Packers and the NFL in general going into the season? Well, I mean, I'm a football nerd to my core, so just going into the season, the NFL in general, nothing but excitement, uh, a lot of different storylines, even when you don't think there's parity, because there's so many, there's those few teams that are really good year to year. There's still, you know, in a one game elimination tournament in the playoffs, anything can happen. Uh, so I was just overall really excited. A lot of players to watch and see for the Packers um, was also very excited. First time in a while that I'm like really believing we're one of the top three, maybe four teams in the league going into the year. Now I'm sure as we'll get into <laughs> that, uh, I got hit with a little bit of a reality check this past Sunday, but still, you know, uh, expectations were high and I'm still excited for the season. What's cause I want you to, uh, display your emotion about the Aaron Jones contract on this platform. Cause not everyone who listens follows you on Twitter, but you have a very vocal opinion on, losing back Tiari and then signing paying Aaron Jones. Just uh, kind of tell everyone like the whole situation and your opinions on it. Sure. Basically it boils down to uh, when I started working with PFF uh, pro football focus, for those of you that don't know, I'm not sure how much you reference them on the pod, but um, basically like the driving force for analytics in football. And one of the things that, their data has begun to show over the last few years and pretty conclusively is that running backs don't matter all that much. So I kind of have adopted that as, you know, one of my mantras, running backs don't matter. Not that they literally don't, but they're probably like the least valuable position on the offensive side of, the, of football. So 
they're very often not worth big money. And there's trade-offs when you decide to pay um, a running back a big contract. Look at the ones that haven't worked out already. Zeke's still in the league, but, you know, it hasn't been able to produce much. Look at Gurley, David Johnson. These guys get big contracts, and they have a short shelf life to begin with. And then, like, the running game in general is more dependent on the offensive line than it is the actual running back. There are plenty of great running backs that with a bad offensive line in front of them can't do much. So they're really not worth much money. I'd rather have a good offensive line and whoever at running back, bring in a cheap free agent, bring someone in late in the draft. So, you know, the Packers specifically, their cap situation was that we really, it was tough to maintain all of our guys in general. So one of the guys we let walk was Corey Lindsley, our center, all pro center for my money, the best center in football. And we used some of that money to sign Aaron Jones to a big extension. Now that just makes less than zero sense to me because that makes our running game worse. In my opinion, he was a great run blocker. Now we got questions all along the interior, making it tougher for us to run the ball. And we have a bunch of, uh, of our cap space tied up in, in a running back that is, and we're no better off for it. Yeah. It's tough knowing that, you now have a problem on your hands that was solved that you ultimately let walk. And now you're complaining about something then with in a hole that you dug yourself signing Jones over the O-line. But yeah, cause I kind of, I want to second your opinion on that because I'm, there's a lot of examples amongst the league, but the biggest one that stands out to me is my team, new England. We have Ramondre Stevenson who, took off in the preseason and obviously it's preseason but there's not much else you can really grade him on other than preseason but he took really big steps there he's an undrafted rookie out of Oklahoma you have JJ Taylor who's a very cheap running back but he can be productive Damian Harris was like a third round pick out of Alabama and then you have James White he was kind of washed and he's there for like seven carries a game but you can, if you just like kind of invest in a committee backfield, then you don't really have to worry about paying a running back big money. Oh, 100%. And you guys are a perfect example of what I'm talking about, too, because up front, you're phenomenal. So you're able to have a great run game with whoever. Like you just said, Ramondre Stevenson, undrafted free agent, they kind of just have a next guy up mentality and it allows them to, you know, keep that offensive line in front of them, open up holes for those guys. And the Patriots consistently have a pretty good running game despite not signing anyone to a big contract. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely an interesting um, situation amongst the league is like what positions to pay and what not to, but let's dive into this week. But uh, first I want to kind of get into what you do. So you work for PFF and your data collector kind of explain what that entails and what your like kind of data day to day is or whether it's like a weekend that you really focus on but what is it that you do over at P- pff sure yeah i uh i only work for them during the season as of right now so it's only a part-time job and basically it's the very beginning of how they get all their information and turn it into grades etc cetera, etc cetera. so I'll get, you give availability and then I'll get assigned a game or multiple, depending on how free I am and the other data collectors, um, whatever they're available for. So let's say I get just some random game. Let's call it um, the Cowboys Buccaneers game. 
basically what I do is it's the base level collecting data. So on the very first play, I chart where everyone lines up pre-snap, what offensive linemen are on the field, like which players, how many receivers, where they're lined up, what who's the quarterback, you know, all that. Then post-snap, for every position, there's different things I got to chart. The easiest one, I like to give examples, wide receiver. So if I'm looking at a wide receiver, let's call it Chris Godwin. I got to say where he lines up pre-snap, so whether it's in the slot, outside, et cetera, et cetera. Then is it a pass play? Yes. If it is a pass play, does he run a route? Yes. If he runs a route, what route does he run? I have to chart, you know, he runs a fade, he runs an in whatever. Is he targeted? Um, does he catch it if he's targeted? And that's just like the data set I would collect for a wide receiver, and it's different per position. And I do that for every player on every play uh, for either the whole game or the half or whatever I'm assigned. Wow. So, like, is it a lot of pause and rewind that you do yes. throughout a game? Yes. So how long Especially would it take you to watch? So, like, how long would it take you to watch, like, a standard game? So now I'm able to actually do it live pretty much. I still, there's some pausing, but like I just did the, uh, the Ravens Raiders game on Monday night. Um, I just had in the beginning. So it's like the first quarter when I first started would have taken me probably at least an hour, an hour and a half. Like it was, I could not do it live at all. I had to be post, um, post game. But now, because I'm a little bit quicker with it, I know what I'm looking for. I know the players. Um, I could chart it pretty quickly and usually go through, and there's enough time between snaps. So it'll take me, like, say I'm doing one quarter. I usually finish it maybe 10, 15 minutes after the quarter ends, something like that. And it's a little okay. different kind of depending on game script, but th- that's with a lot of practice, too. In-, in the beginning, that's how the interview process went. They were like, you know, once you applied and you got to the next step, they would just give you a game to practice and see how you do. And it would just be some random game from a couple of years ago or whatever. And it would take me like six hours to do one game. Wow. But, but you get, you get used to it and you start to move quicker the more you do it. Do you sometimes just watch a game and then when you're done, you're like, okay. And like you record it or whatever. And then you just kind of watch it after. Is that a normal occurrence for you? Or do you just kind of do it live? Not really anymore. Usually it now I do it live unless there's other circumstances at play. But in, in the beginning, that's pretty much what I did. Yeah. It's it's very interesting how you guys grade players because it's different than the standard quarterback rating that I see like on the NFL website or whatever, because players will be ranked different. You look at week one and Brady was ranked. Had, if I'm not mistaken, this is PFF. You had a ranking of like 93.3. Yep. But then you look on the NFL website and he had a bit of a lower rating or a higher rating. And then you look at Stafford and he had a near perfect rating, but then he may have been a bit lower on PFF. I know why it's different because I've heard you describe it multiple times on Veterans Minimum. But I want you to kind of let everyone know why is it fluctuated and different for every position like especially quarterbacks so basically it's everyone uses pff grade like they'll see it on social media and they'll be like this guy you know have put up these stats or whatever how is he that low or vice versa you know pff sucks whatever but 
it's really just one data point to look at and and it's kind of meant to be included in context it's not like this player had this grade that means that is how they did you know full stop um it it, it there's more nuance to it than that but the way it's calculated is actually pretty simple the players will start with an average grade like a, a 75 because it's out of 100 and all it really is is on a play-to-play basis is it a positive play or a negative play quarterback for an example you can get like plus one point or plus two points or minus one or minus two if they have a good throw or just a normal throw to be like okay plus one point that was fine it was accurate whatever if it's like a you know escape pressure throw it 40 yards downfield in a bucket that's like that's a great play that's plus two points and it kind of works like that the same way in reverse now where people get confused is it it can really tell a different story than the box score like there are guys that will have say they throw two interceptions but both of them are tipped in the box score that's still two picks for the quarterback which affects their quarterback rating and you know various other metrics but let's say if it, if it was a perfect pass to the receiver's hands and he just popped it up, that would be like a plus rating in a PFF grade, even if a defender came down with it and it's an interception, which that's what everyone remembers is that the defensive back caught it or whatever. But for our grading, it's actually a positive play. But it would be like a negative uh, point for the receiver because he missed a wide open catch. Absolutely. Yep. So that Brady to Farnett example is perfect on Thursday. Screen pass, Brady lobs it right into Fournette's hands, and he just off his fingertips. Diggs comes down with it, but Brady got a positive because it was right on the bu- right on the money. Yep, exactly. Okay, yeah, because a lot of people were freaking out at the post. They were like, uh, "Stafford got a perfect rating," blah 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 blah, and and I I knew because it was like. I've heard you describe it before, but it was just, it's interesting to see like how different quarterbacks can be rated because a lot of people just look at the box score and then kind of compare that way. But let's go, let's, uh, let's jump into this week's slate. So, uh, we'll start off with Thursday night football. And this one is actually a wild one. A lot of, I think the spread was, uh, nine, uh, minus nine for Tampa. A lot of people had it a shootout and Tampa coming away with it easily, but, what was your reaction to the game in general and like as it went on that night? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised it was as close as it was. Uh, I think there was encouraging things to take away from both sides of the ball. Dallas, you know, the one thing that I and I'm sure many were watching were was Dak. How does he look coming off of that injury and, and all that? which I thought he looked really good despite not looking totally right. I don't know about you, but at least for most of the game, there'd be some times where like, he'd just have a little too much air under the ball. Maybe it looked like the arm strength wasn't quite there. He looked off to me despite playing really well. So that was really encouraging. Yeah. I think everyone's kind of giving him a, a couple week buffer period because he had such a gruesome injury last, last year. But yeah, Obviously, like coming from an injury like that, you're going to be slightly off in terms of your mechanics and everything. But I mean, it almost looked like he didn't miss a beat because he still threw for like over 400 yards, four tutties and a and a pick. But Tom Brady, 32 for 50, nearly 380 yards, four touchdowns and two picks. But that interception, one of them was obviously the Fournette one where 
right to him and Fournette screwed up. And then the other one was a Hail Mary where that's kind of well, – how would PFF grade that one, a Hail Mary? Be, it would be a neutral play. So uh, I, did, I don't actually do the grading, so this is really only speculation. But since being involved, I, I have a pretty good idea how it works, and that one is pretty clear cut to me. Some of them are neutral also where you don't gain points, you don't lose points. That that's all Tom Brady could do. That was the goal is just to put it up and see if one of his guys could get it. So it certainly wouldn't be negative. Yeah. I, I look at that one as like a, I don't really count that one just because it's such a common outcome for that play. Exactly. So it's like, you can't really put that on Brady. So, but yeah, he threw two picks. Gronk got two touchdowns. AB looked like his old his old self, but then that Cooper Prescott connection is slowly heating up. What do you uh, – uh, Dallas overall, they have a lot of mixed um, opinions on their team this year. Some say they're the favorite for the NFC East. Some say they're not. Some have them making the wild card. Some have them missing the playoffs entirely. After this game, what do you kind of – see them going forward as so after this game uh, coming into the season i was pretty skeptical because i thought the defense was pretty bad and um i wasn't sure how long the offense would take to get rolling with that coming off his injury because he looked so good against no slouch of a defense in tampa bay now i'm a little bit more encouraged i i really think the offense could carry them similar to how the Chiefs were, their defense is a little better now. But like that first Mahomes year as a starter, their offense really just carried for their bad defense. And I think we could see something like that. Now, what I will say that I've been noticing is a lot of people just in general seem to be really high on them and really impressed. You know, they were within inches, within grasp of beating the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, which sure is encouraging. But they also were plus three in turnover differential. And like they still lost teams that are plus three in turnover differential in NFL history, I believe are like they win 92% of the time. So it's still not great. You know, it's a little, there's some noise there, uh, but still, I think there's plenty to come away positive. The Godwin play catch late in the game. Some people say it was a push off. Some people it was a 50, 50 play. Both players were battling, and he just kind of out-positioned the guy. What was your thoughts on it? I went back and forth a little bit, but overall, I mean, I think it was a push-off. What I will say is the defensive back, I forget who it was in the play, I'm pretty sure they flopped. Yeah. But the only reason they were in a position to do that is because of the arm extension from Godwin, which is what makes it a push off to begin with. So, you know, I, I do. Yeah. I would have said that that was a push off. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was tricky. Cause he was locked in from the elbow and he kind of just like, he didn't go full arm, but he went like three quarters past the elbow and then kind of just like shook him off. And then the cornerback flopped. So it was like, was he just trying to like, get his arm out and then the Cowboys player just tried to sell it. It was very 50, 50. I thought it should have been a push off, but I still wouldn't have assumed the outcome would have been different because I still, anything can happen in terms of like kicking a long distance field goal or whatever. But no, yeah, that was a good opening 
night game. I'll tell you that for free. But uh, we'll move into the Sunday slate. I'll kind of touch on every game, but like we don't have to go too in-depth. Uh, first one I got is Eagle Stomp, Stomp Atlanta. Devontae Smith gets his first touchdown. Jalen Hurts balls out. Matt Ryan looked very, very shaky. What's your uh, two cents on this one? I was surprised. I don't know your thoughts coming into the game, but I I picked Atlanta to win, and I thought they were going to win pretty handily. Uh, I, I still think they're going to have a decent offense going forward, but it's going to clearly take some time. Uh, I was really impressed, though, with the Eagles. This is, for me, a team that was one of three that were, like, in first overall pick contention. But they came out, albeit against a bad defense, and were impressive. The the weapons were getting open and Jalen Hurts was distributing and I, I was pleasantly surprised. I think a big X factor was Jalen Hurts balling out because a lot of people, he was a lot of, he was very hit or miss with a lot of people. It was like a lot of people are Jalen Hurts truther and a lot of people are a hater. So it was like, it was a, and he absolutely balled out that game through dime to Smith, dime to Goddard. Obviously there's some throws here and there that were shaky, but yeah, people are saying it was a bad Atlanta defense, but everyone had Atlanta beating the Eagles, so you got to give the Eagles props where it is. Uh, Steelers upset the Bills. Allen looked very shaky. 30 for 51, 270, touchdown, no picks. But I think Steelers just played an overall better game. Yep, this is another one I wasn't really expecting. I, I knew the Steelers were going to have a good defense. I was not ready for the Bills' offense to struggle as much as it did. I know they couldn't really get much of a running game going, but that was their bread and butter was just dropping back a bunch of times last season, and it worked out for them. Josh Allen uh, is a guy that I was a little worried about regressing after his performance last year. And, you know, it's only one week. I'm not going to overreact too much, but it I'd be a little bit concerned because uh, that looked closer to, like, 2019 Josh Allen than it did 2020 Josh Allen. No, yeah, I – yeah, it seemed that he was trying to do too much out there when he could have kept it a bit more simple. But also one thing I didn't mention last podcast because he hadn't signed this deal yet, but T.J. Watt signs, what is it, four-year, $112 million contract, yeah. $80 million guaranteed. So badass how he just told his agent, like, buzz off i'm just gonna go sign this deal basically yeah. overruled him so awesome but uh donald wins in re- his return to new york he uh he goes 24 for 35 280 touchdown no picks cmc nearly 200 total yards no touchdowns zach wilson played pretty good i'm not gonna lie he had some shaky throws but overall in clean pocket he looked pretty good yeah, uh, I'm a big Zach Wilson guy um, and also am in the camp that thinks that Sam Darnold is not very good. So even though for a lot of people this probably wasn't very interesting, I was watching this game pretty closely. Uh, I, I was pulling for the Jets. You know, it just – I thought Zach Wilson played well. He just really doesn't have any help, especially after Mekhi Becton went down. Yeah. Um, you know, That's guys weren't loss. really – Yeah, guys weren't really getting open, and he was the only offensive lineman that was – uh, really protecting well on a consistent basis. Elijah Vera Tucker, their rookie guard, had his welcome to the NFL moment, did not look good, was getting beaten up all sorts of ways. So it, it was tough. Uh, I, I'm curious to see, like, the consensus on Darnold after this game because he played, like, 
fine, I guess. I don't want to come off as too much of a hater because, like I said, I, I'm not a believer in him. But I, I don't know. I'm starting to see already that, like, oh, see, it, it just was Adam Gase that, you know, and, and the Jets is the reason Darnold was so bad. And I'm like, eh, the jury's still out on that. He played okay. He struggled in the intermediate level of the field. He was like 0 for 6 on passes in between 10 and 20 yards. Um, and he's just got crazy weapons against a really bad Jets team. So we'll see going forward. Is Corey Davis that dude? Man, I, I think he could be. But I, I He hasn't given me reason to say no yet. He's like the only thing you got to worry about on that offense from a weapons perspective. And, you know, is he going to be Julio Jones? Probably not. But I, I think with some help around him and allowing their quarterback a little more time to throw, he could be like a legitimate number one. I mean, like 597, two touchdowns as the only serious threat on that offense besides maybe Zach Wilson. It's it's not bad against a pretty good Panthers defense. They're not amazing, but they're, they're nothing to sneeze at. But so, I mean... Yeah, pretty good game for him, and I'm totally not biased because he's definitely not on my fantasy team at <laughs> all. So, <laughs> but he he lived up to my expectations, so I'm not mad. Uh, next game, Bengals upset Minnesota. This one had a lot of people shocked, including myself. Jamar Chase zero drops, seven targets after complain after saying that it's harder to catch an NFL football. And he had multiple drops in training camp and preseason. But what was your thoughts on this game? It was a game-winning field goal, if I'm not mistaken, in overtime. Yep. But, yep. yeah. Uh, uh, another shocker. I was very impressed by the Bengals' offense. This was one that um, when I was previewing, I was fairly confident the Vikings were com- going to come out and win. I was just thinking Mike Zimmer, with all this time to prepare, coming to week one against an unproven coach in Zach Taylor – I, I thought he was just going to have his way with this Bengals front and just get after Joe Burrow, but they, they did a good job uh, putting points up on the board and um, was really impressed. The, the, the thing that didn't really surprise me was Jamar Chase doing well. It was funny. And I memed what he said quite a bit on Twitter, but you know, he had shown so much already in the way to of being a great receiver that I wasn't concerned about a few drops. Those can be super fluky. So I'm, I'm glad he got it figured out. He's, he's too fun of a talent to uh, let something like that derail a career. Yeah. When I heard about the drops and everything like that, like not one part of me was worried because I'm in the camp of stop overreacting about any negative thing about rookies because they haven't even touched the NFL football yet. And there's been so many talks about, Michael Parsons is lost against Tampa when he was really just doing the right play. Penny Sewell can't block. Jamar Chase is dropping balls. Two was a bust. And I'm like, guys, would you relax? Like Tom Brady didn't step on the field and he's the greatest of all time. Patrick Mahomes didn't step on the field his first year and he's one of the most talented players who ever play. Aaron Rodgers spent multiple seasons behind Brett Favre and he's one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. Like, people have to give these rookies time. And it's just so annoying when they're so quick to judge on them when they have a whole career to play. Like, right, Jamar Chase yeah. could go down as one of the best picks in the last decade. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. Right? I, I completely agree. You know, it's 
I think it's a lot of the draft becoming more of like an event and the, you know, yeah. the average fan or which I love because that's like, that's my bread and butter. That's one of my favorite things. I'm a draft guy. I love watching tape on these rookies and all that sort of stuff. But you know, the general fan, they, they get a little too excited, you know, Oh, my team needs this. Oh, we got him. Let's see how he plays. Plus, there's the guys like the Justin Jeffersons of the world that do break yeah. onto the scene. But what people got to realize is those guys are the exception, not the rule. Even good players typically don't start out that way when they're rookies. So yeah. I'm completely with you on that. Yeah. I told my dad that uh, Mahomes and Watson ruined it for rookie quarterbacks because they came out firing in like their first season on field. And now every quarterback expects MVP level quarterbacks their first year. And as soon as they don't get it, then they're questioning it. Yep. But, but yeah, about you being interested in the draft, I was supposed to have you on around draft time, but a storm hit your area, and unfortunately we couldn't get it going. But mm-hmm. Next game, San Fran edges out Detroit, which is something that shouldn't have been in question, but with a Kittle and Debo Samuel lost fumbles, it, it turned out that way. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I was impressed by the way the, the Lions were moving the ball at the end of the game, but I, I really think the the game was a lot um, more of a blowout than the score would lead on. Like I, the first I three agree. quarters of the game, that was, was the football game right yeah. there. There was just a lot of fluky stuff that happened at the end. You know, props for the Lions you know, capitalizing on it, but still, it, I'm not concerned with the 49ers at all. No, I agree. Um Jimmy Garoppolo did look good. Uh, what's your whole stance on the Trey Lance Jimmy Garoppolo thing? Oh, see, that's a tough one. I, I, I didn't like what I saw from Trey Lance in the in the preseason. He had a couple flashes that a lot of people, I'm sure, saw on Huss highlights and stuff that were pretty incredible. But on a down to down basis, I did not think he looked ready. And I, I don't think you can expect him to. This is a guy that played one game, you know, his final year of college, and like what what do you really expect he's a toolsy raw prospect to begin with and then with so little time actually playing football recently i don't think it's crazy to go with jimmy garoppolo who when healthy he's not you know a top makes five a, makes a safe play exactly he's not a top five quarterback or anything but he's he's really not losing you many games he did bring him to a super bowl when they were healthy healthy so I, I, I'm on board with them starting Jimmy until they really feel Trey Lance is ready. Yeah, I uh, I have to eat this one as of right now because when me and Hayden did the preview show, I said they'd be better with Trey Lance just because they're a little bit more two- or three-dimensional with him under center than with Jimmy Garoppolo. But after the way Jimmy played, it, he did show that he can lead a team to a W it's just like their turnovers and just screwed him over like that on kick. You got to recover those. And then Debo Samuel, you got to hang on to the ball. Like it's just those instances where it's like, you can't blame anyone except the person who can't hang on to the ball. So I got to eat that one, but well, to your credit, I, I don't think that's necessarily wrong because that the reasoning's right. I, I do think when he eventually starts, uh, he he does add dimensions to this team that they don't have with Jimmy G. He's got a stronger arm, and then, of course, the athleticism. So I don't think you're necessarily wrong in, in the reason you thought that. I, I said that he could come in around the halfway point, but who knows? We'll see. 
Um, a yin and yang opener for Lawrence. He throws for 333 touchdowns, but has three picks along with it, and they lose to the Houston Texans. That was a weird game to look at. Tyrod Taylor leads the Texans to a win. Lawrence played good. This is a game I didn't necessarily follow too much, but uh, what do you have to say about this? We can keep this one quick. Yeah, I mean, honestly, my big takeaway is that hindsight is kind of 2020. It it was a little shocking at first to see that the Texans won and by such a big margin, but it's I, I think the dysfunction in the organization kind of put blinders on a lot of us a little bit. Yeah, because what they've been doing is they're signing just a lot of random veteran pieces, but that that means there there's a lot of spots on the football field where they're like, I right, you know. Br- Brandon Cooks is still a pretty good wide receiver as he yeah. showed this Sunday, you know, so they, they've got pieces there. And then Ur- the urban Meyer experiment, which after the preseason, I started to be pretty concerned about, uh, it's only week one. I try to keep telling myself that, but I'd be a little bit worried about how that's going to go and how it's going to affect Trevor's development. A lot of people told him to step down and go to USC. That <laughs> I, <don't> <laughs> I was seeing that today too. But, um, yeah, it is only week one, but, I mean, starting off with a loss to Houston isn't a good start. Yep. But, hey, it's a long, it's a long road. Um, the Seahawks defeat the Colts. Big day for Lockett, 100 yards, two touchdowns. What do you got to say about this one? Yeah, uh, this was just finally one that kind of went the way I saw it going. Um, this was Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson. Uh, offense looked great. Um, I love what Shane Waldron brought to their offense. Um, there's, it's it's a lot more modern than I've seen Seahawks, which has made me want to rip my hair out sometimes in recent years under under Pete Carroll. So they looked good. And then Carson Wentz, man, I it wasn't as much of a train wreck as last year, but still just holding the ball too long. Yeah, uh, making some questionable decisions. I'm not sure how that's going to go going forward. He does have that problem holding on to the ball too long. It, it's like a, a lot of people say that about Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun Watson makes a little bit more happen. But Carson Wentz, yeah, he kind of, when he's running to like a bootleg to the right, he's looking for a play, but then he just gets tripped up because he's just hanging on to it for too long. Yep. But for the Seahawks, I like the addition of Gerald Everett. Mm-hmm. He's kind of, he... Like he escalated his play when Higby was off the field when he was in LA and then obviously vice versa. And if he can get a little bit more targets and stuff, I really think that he can make a lot more happen. Obviously Disley's there, so he's not going to get his fair share. But I mean, when he does, when he is like a big, has a route and has like a meaning in a play, he can make some things happen. And I think that, can be a good target for Russell Wilson going forward because he did get a TD in week one. So yeah, I think yeah, I, I'm totally with you. And Russ is someone that likes to use his tight ends too. I also think he's a really good complimentary piece, you know, uh, whether it be over the middle of the field or wherever they want to deploy him. It's a good, like I just said, a complimentary piece to what they already have in Metcalf and Lockett who are pretty not, entirely just deep threats they're more versatile than that but that's that's their calling card yeah i totally agree uh next game arizona dominates murray 21 for 32 309 total yards five total tds an interception 
they balled out today. They showed that they can be a real contender in that division. And watch out because obviously San Fran, they should have blown out Detroit. Like we said earlier, that score is a lot closer than the game actually was. Uh, we'll get to L.A. later. Seahawks win. Arizona dominates. This could be... Everyone knows that this could is might be the most competitive division in football or like the hardest and it's kind of turned out to be that way but what was your thoughts on this uh this one yeah uh, kyler murray man that was everything that you want to see from him he he put on a show in one game whether it be his ability to use his legs you know the the awesome stuff creating outside the pocket and and making throws off of that that truly special stuff but then really like it's the most simple stuff that impressed me just, you know, going through his progressions from a clean pocket not moving when he doesn't have to delivering the ball. There's nothing he didn't do well. And I'm with you on this division. The crazy thing is they were one of the most impressive teams to me of the weekend. Um, he was one of the most impressive quarterbacks. And even though I knew that they were going to be a decent team out of the NFC West, I was like, okay, there's three at the top. And then the Cardinals kind of trailing behind but now who knows, man, they all could be juggernauts. I, I said the exact same thing because you look at the over-under totals and Seahawks, 49ers, and L.A. were all double-digit over-unders. And then you see L- Arizona, and they're at 8.5. So they're like the little brother of the division. But they just played one of the better games of the entire weekend. And against, obviously, the Titans' defense is a little suspect. But, I mean, the Titans are still a good team. And they have a good offense, and that Arizona defense kind of put the stop to them. right? They held Julio to 29 yards. Derrick Henry to under 60 rushing yards, which doesn't happen often. And yep. so they could be serious threats this year. D-Hop and Christian Kirk uh, each got two touchdowns. So that's mm-hmm. something to watch out for. Because they got that Rondo Moore guy, and then that pushes Christian Kirk to his calling card, the slot. And he gets two touchdowns. So watch out for uh, the Cardinals. But um, Chargers edge out Washington. Fitzmagic goes down with an injury. Taylor Heineke comes in. What do you got to say about this one? Yeah, Washington football team was my pick to win the division. I would probably change that now, knowing that Fitzmagic isn't going to, is it going to be there for a large portion of the year? I don't even know if. Did they ever did, I didn't even see what the injury ended up being. How I, long is he out? I think he's out six to eight weeks. Six to eight. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's tough. He's say what you want about him. He will, you know, take his chances and sometimes he could lose you games, but a lot of times he'll put you in position to win. And when you've got a really good defense, that the mistakes aren't punished quite as hard. So I'm a little bit worried about them going forward, but also I Speaking of taking L's, uh, it's I'm not gonna completely wave the white flag yet, but I was a guy that was expecting Justin Herbert to regress quite a bit, um, and he looked great. Uh, under pressure, wasn't quite as good as he was last year, which lends to the reason I thought he was gonna regress. But he took a much bigger step forward, or at least it looks like he's going to just from a clean pocket, you know, doing normal quarterback stuff than I, than I figured he would. He, he looked phenomenal. And if he's going to take that next step, the chargers are no slouch. Yeah. Because the, that Washington defense is legit. And 
if you can have a game that he had, and yeah, he threw that tough interception. It was pretty tight coverage and just slightly overthrew uh, his receiver, which I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was Mike Williams, but I could be wrong. It was just like it was a play that happens all the time, and but he played good overall, in my opinion. Um, Browns, Browns. They uh, it, <laughs> it got outscored twenty three to seven in the second half to the Chiefs, losing by a few, like thirty three to twenty nine or something. Yep. I mean, Mahomes to Tyreek, like Mahomes Kelsey could be one of the better stacks out there. There's just not much to say about this team. This is it looked like the Browns had it, but then they just took their foot off the gas just slightly, and then that. Anytime the Chiefs have a chance to get back into a game, you can't let them get rolling or else it's going to come and bite you in the ass. Yeah, I mean, the margin for error for beating the Chiefs is so incredibly small. You really got to be on point. And uh, I I would be encouraged if I was a Cleveland Browns fan, though. Uh, To me, they looked like the better team on the football field. Um, Just a couple of fluky things that you, like we just said, you can't do against the Chiefs because they're going to punish you for it. That offense is far too explosive and way too talented. But I, I really liked the way the Browns played it pretty much up until the closing parts of the game. I thought Baker Mayfield looked phenomenal. You know, bad pick at the end, sure. But f- for the rest of the game, I thought he looked really good. And Kevin Stefanski, oh, I, it, this is a, he's a victory lap guy for me because right when he um, – Right when he left Minnesota and got that job, I I was very, very excited about him going to the Browns. He just makes all the right decisions, uh, very analytically focused. Uh, I love how he just, you know, you scored early, went for a two-point conversion. He goes for it on fourth down when he's supposed to. Those little things just give you a little bit of edges that, that build up, and I think is why they were winning the game. But that can all get wiped away with silly turnovers and things. And when you have interception and fumble, especially against the Chiefs, and those little advantages don't matter as much. Yeah. This is one that I feel bad for bringing up. And I think you kind of know where I'm going with this one. Saints route your Packers. (laughs) Oh yes, they did. <laughs> oh yes, they did. Thirty-eight to three. Rogers goes out with ten and a half left in the fourth. Just, just to sit him. Jordan Love comes in. Take it away. Take it away, my man. I mean, I was floored. I was shocked. Uh, there is. We looked like the. I, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. For those of you that don't know, uh, and we looked like the worst team in the NFL. I mean, every unit was bad. The offensive line pass protected okay. But that, like, you know, there were no wide receivers open against after Marshawn Lattimore, a bunch of nobodies at corner for the Saints. We couldn't stop the run. Um, Offensively, Sean Payton just showed what happens when he gets a new quarterback and has a bunch of time to game plan against a pretty important team for him to beat when it comes to their positioning in the NFC uh, defensively, just we had no answers. I was pretty disappointed in Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers for that matter. And I, it, it's not often I'll say anything negative about him. That guy's my hero, but he played like crap and the offense just had no answers. Couldn't get anything going. They 
saw pretty much nothing but like man coverage and and two high safeties because Sean Payton said, yeah, you're not going to beat us with Aaron Rodgers. You know, be creative with the boot game or get it going on the ground. And we can do either of those things. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, like Aaron Jones had single digit rushing yards. Like he yeah, just, he, he couldn't get anything going. Saints just played a hell of a game. I mean, Winston threw five touchdowns. Camara was a horse. It was Saints just played a good overall game, and it was. I think it was a, it was a game where one team played good and one team played bad, and it turned into a blowout. It was not yep. like both teams played good, but one team edged out the other. It was just like completely two ends of the spectrum, and it just like Packers couldn't do anything. Saints were doing everything well. And it was just, it was gone early. But the Pats versus Dolphins. So Mac Jones takes over QB1. Cam Newton released. Cam Newton got released 12 hours after we I recorded the AFC preview show. <laughs> it always works out like that. Oh, huh? that was sick. Yeah. But um, no, I... Um, I like what I saw. Uh, Mac Jones, he was, you know, he was pretty, he was playing pretty conservative. He threw a few nice passes. Um, some, a lot of dump offs, I'll be honest, but he was making plays that can get him comfortable into an NFL field and just, just like the flow of things. And I think that's good things to see. Slowly work your way up. Don't try and throw bombs out there and kind of, plummet your confidence but two really bad turnovers Stevenson gets the ball punched out Damian Harris fumbles it late on their end of the field and that one was like a wrencher like gut wrencher because you had in the bag you were in field goal range and you just couldn't hang on to the ball but what are your thoughts about this game so this this is another one I was watching really closely uh, because I am pretty probably, you know, number one leading the charge of the, the Tua fan club. I think that he has not gotten a fair shake and he's much better than everyone makes him out to be. So I, agree. I, was, very ex- I was very excited to see this game. Now I, you being a Patriots fan, I'm sure that is a terrible loss one point because of a couple silly fumbles it's really tough but i i love watching mac jones play football man he was like my qb5 coming out in the draft but ever since that first preseason game i was like man i might have been too low and every time i see him play football i'm like i'm too low i was too low on mac jones he looked really good and you know yeah sure it wasn't like a lot of crazy downfield passing or whatever but that's the offense. That's what Josh McDaniels does. That's what Brady did for so many years. Um, and why people would give him crap too. be like, Oh, he's a system QB. Uh, blah, 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 blah. He did what he was asked to do. He put the ball where it needed to go. And when he needed to take bigger shots, he did and, and looked good against no slouch of a defense in the dolphins. Yeah. So I'd be very encouraged if I was a Patriots fan. Um, and same thing on the other side of the ball, it was a rough, hard fought win for Miami. But I thought the addition of Jalen Waddle looked really good. They're going to get Will Fuller back, and it's going to be even better. Offensive line is still a yikes. But even despite that, I think Tua played really well. 
there was a certain a few things I was really looking for with him specifically that I thought he needed to improve on. And one of them is like being aggressive, especially outside the numbers. And I thought he did that, put the ball in some good spots, had a couple of eh throws, then the crazy interception, you know, when he's being tackled and he you can't got do that. Judon banged oh, him up. Pile drive. Yeah. yeah, that was he got leveled. And you know, you can't you can't do stuff like that, but second year player, you know, you, I think he irons out those those silly mistakes. And even for the bad decision, it wasn't a terrible throw. It did bounce off two dolphins. Yeah, it bounced it off a bunch off, of so. players before it was picked off. Yeah, so yeah. it was just so. shit out of luck. But uh, yeah. no, because I was talking with my dad watching it because we're both Patriots fans, and I was talking to him because I was building up a frustration with how people were interpreting Tua saying he's a bust already and he even came out and said that he wasn't confident last year and he barely knew the playbook he he was coming off a really bad injury at Alabama that could have stopped him from playing football and he had a very good drive like their first scoring play when he ran it in that was a really good drive constructed by Tua he threw he just looked confident under center stepping up throwing the ball he was slinging it everywhere like he threw a few outside the numbers he was he just looked like he belonged and it just like it frustrated me because like i i was seeing it on tv and i was like this guy there's a reason why people were saying tank for tua before joe burrow took off last year like he is a good player he's an athlete stop calling him off he he didn't even play a full season last year he played like nine games and he played half of them full games the other half he got pulled yeah so it's like quit writing rookies off so early and he he proved everyone wrong i think like if he can keep this up then i think it's a very good direction that the dolphins are heading and as for the one point loss yeah it sucks but i saw a lot of positives from this game i think the running game looked good damian harris looked awesome i'm still so high on him Mac Jones, he looked very good. And yeah, I'm just, the defense is solid. It's not like anything crazy, but it's enough to win you games. And it can, it's a playoff defense, I think. But obviously, you still need some production from the offense. And our red zone production will need some improvement. But I think we're moving in the right direction. And I like where we're at in terms of Mac Jones and the running game. And, and our offensive line, too, I think is pretty good as well. But, yeah, enough of that. Denver doubles up Giants. Barkley averages 2.6 yards a carry. Jones is still turning the ball over. Uh, yeah, it's it was a tough game for the Giants. A very up-and-down game for Daniel Jones. I had it on in the background while I was making dinner, and it was like I would hear, I would hear like, Jones loses the ball, and then the next play is like, Jones springs for 20 yards, and then it was like, it's nearly intercepted. I'm like, what is happening in this game right now? <laughs> oh, yeah, very Daniel Jones-esque. But, um, yeah, what did you think of this game? So most of it kind of went how I saw it going. I think the Broncos' roster is absurd. They're very talented. Um, Giants... Daniel Jones, I don't think is it. And their offensive line is kind of dookie. So that went about how I thought it was going to go. But um, Teddy Bridgewater, man, the Viking or Vikings, the Giants defense is is no slouch. Yeah. They're, they're pretty decent on the defensive side of the ball. And 
he was playing really well. Uh, he had over a 90 PFF passing grade, um, and he was doing great under pressure. It was kind of like the uh, the Teddy B that I was expecting to see way back when he was with the Vikings. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain that the whole a whole season, but man, if he is with this roster, the Broncos are going to be a force to be reckoned with because they're extremely talented. Also, oh, Jerry Judy, man. Yeah, that, that was my next sucks. point. I was high ankle sprain. Yeah, that's gonna that could be like a career hampering injury. Like he he might not be the same because those things linger very long periods of time. Like my uncle sprained his ankle when he was 17. He's 40 and he still feels the effects from it. Oh, yeah, I I really hope not. Um, I was actually a little bit relieved when I saw it was a high ankle sprain because, you know, again, bad. I, I don't want him to be hurt at all. I love Jerry Judy. But yeah. when you watched the injury um, happen, I was like, something's broken or torn or ruptured or it looked like he's going to be out the year. Now, I mean, it's still six to eight weeks, I think, but it's better than some gruesome injury like Dak had last year or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he was like top five last year in like creating separation. He just couldn't get the ball to him. Mm-hmm. And like, so, yeah, a lot of people had him very high this year and unfortunate injury. Sunday night football, LA versus Chicago. First game, Matt Stafford under the McVay offense. That, Obviously, without preseason, because I don't think he played preseason, right? I don't think, no. he, yeah, he didn't get on there. So, first time we're seeing him with the offense, and boy, oh boy, did he not disappoint. <laughs> first play, seven year, 80 yard bomb to Jefferson, touchdown. You just saw how excited Stafford was because he's just relieved. He's like, okay, like, I think as soon as that play happened, he saw, like, I could be very successful with this team. Oh, oh yeah, I, I agree. And Matt Stafford is a guy that for, like, most of his career, I have been championing, even though he's in my division. I'm like, man, everyone is too low on this guy. He's yeah. just in the mud in Detroit. Uh, so, yeah, that looked really good. It'll be very interesting to see how they continue to meld going forward because it's also not even super easy to come in even if you're talented and learn a new system and scheme look how long it took brady to get rolling last year um learning a new scheme with bruce arians um and right from the jump matt stafford looks pretty comfortable and looked pretty good yeah 20 for 26 321 yards three touchdowns zero interceptions I mean, there's just like Cooper Cup, he, had, he went seven for 108 and a touchdown. This Rams team looks scary. And I put a bet on them right after they got him to win the Super Bowl. Nice. I think I did 20 bucks to win 110. So, crossing my fingers, I picked him in the preview show to win the Super Bowl. Because not just because I wagered on them, but they are built very well from top to bottom. They have a good quarterback. They have the, unfortunately, the Cam Akers injury doesn't help them, but Henderson proved that he's a decent, he's a productive running back. Yeah. And their defense is like all time. They have two of the best defensive players at their respective position in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, there's. Not much losing with this team this year. 
So I think there's going to be a lot of these kind of games this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I was a little bit worried about their defense um, regressing quite a bit, especially losing Brandon Staley. But and now it's only one game against the Bears offense that I don't think is any sort of world beaters. But they, from a scheme perspective, what I saw looked very, very similar. It seems like they're pretty much running the exact same stuff. Um, still a lot of that uh, that empty shell, but, you know, uh, cover two, kind of mixing it up that way. I love how they move Jalen Ramsey around, um, putting him in the slot on the outside, almost like a nickel backer at some points, so he can be more involved around the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they're going to be a tough team to be, man. When do you think field starts? Oh, man. <laughs> so, like, I want to say I'm going to guess week four. Uh, I believe – I forget who it is, but I believe they, they have a pretty easy matchup. Cincinnati would – this coming up week would be another decent time, but I feel like – I just don't know that they'll do that to Andy Dalton. That's like, you know, it's his revenge game. That's what uh, I was thinking. So I, I'm not sure. Where do you land on him? Because most people are like, why the hell aren't we starting Justin Fields? What are we doing? Where do you land on that? Do you think that they should be starting him? See how Andy Dalton does. Because he's not terrible. He's like Jimmy Garoppolo level. Whereas yeah. like he's very conservative. But I mean, he's not going to like bring you to the playoffs, I don't think. Right. Is like I think Justin Fields is the better play. But maybe let him sit behind, but I I just think he's going to bring a whole different energy to this team. And with a guy like Allen Robinson who's if I'm not mistaken franchise tag. Yeah, I think so. So he's on a one-year deal, so you have to give him any reason to stay because he's one of the more underappreciated receivers and he's going to be he's going to want Fields behind center because Fields is going to be able to give him the ball. He's going to be able to buy time, let Allen Robinson get open. And if he can't, then he is a player that can extend plays. He can rush for eight yards on a third and five. He can, even from the third and 11, he can run a QB draw and just cut it in half. So it's like a, right? So I think Fields is a better play. I don't think you go longer than week three. Let Andy Dalton play a Cincy game and then maybe give him the week after, and then I think you should really look to field around week four-ish, in my opinion. Yep. yep. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Monday Night Football. This one could be in contention for game of the year because that overtime alone brought some of the most excitement of all weekend. Uh, Raiders upset the Ravens, yeah. 33-27. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's their first game in front of fans in their new stadium. I mean, Carr, he 34 for 56, 430 yards, two toddies and a pick. One of them was very weird in overtime off the helmet of the Chicago's player and then popped up in the end zone. But uh, I was unfortunately working during this game, and it was busy for like – majority of it but i caught the last half of the fourth quarter and all of overtime so um what can you take from this game in terms of like pointers how each team played 
and your thoughts? I'd be really encouraged if I was a Raiders fan. The defense was so bad last year, uh, and I I don't think it's you know completely 180 and is going to be a top 10 defense or anything, but it sh- I think it showed that they at least are going to have some improvement. They were getting after Lamar Jackson. Max Crosby played his balls off. That dude was in the backfield on pass downs when they were trying to run the ball, anything. He was all over. And then because he was so good in the run game also, it allowed Yannick Ngakwe to get back to what he was doing when he was with um, uh, Jacksonville. Yes, Um, just pretty much purely speed rusher, edge bender, and he was getting after Lamar too. So that was encouraging. And then the offense, you know, Darren Waller is still amazing. Derek Carr still kind of underrated. And it falls again on what has been the Ravens kryptonite. And it's that when they are not like up big and when they take, when they dare you to pass, when, when defenses dare the Ravens, you know what, beat us with your arm, Lamar, he struggles. And also he fumbled twice, which is going to happen when you're trying to do as much as he does. He's a fantastic talent, extremely athletic. You know, we all know this, but it's, it's, it's what I've been saying since even when his MVP year, I was very critical of him because I don't know that this is how you build a championship winning football team. If you can't consistently throw the ball well. No, I, um, I totally agree that. Like that overtime in general, you Derek Carr gets throws a touchdown pass. It's called short. They false start. Then he throws an interception, and then they come back, and then N- N- Nasib or Nasib, one oh, of the two, Nassib, yeah. he causes a fumble, and then they a few plays later throw a touchdown and win the game. All in a matter of like seven minutes oh yeah and the balls on john gruden to call that play when yeah. they were gonna kick the field goal to, because it was just next score wins anyway yeah and then you know they were there was zero safeties back so he calls a deep bomb pass and there's just there's no one back there it, it's basically a free touchdown they just go for the jugular and it worked and that was a long field goal too, so I I kind of admire that decision. Is a little ballsy, but hey, sometimes you know in big games and big moments you got to do stuff like that. And against the Ravens team that are supposed to be contenders, it's uh, it's a win you need, and it's a win the Ravens needed too. This is when you're in a division, especially as tough as they are, you got to clean up where you're supposed to yeah. at least. And yeah, you know, yeah, you can't let wins slip through your fingers like when you have a chance you have to go for it if you want to be competitive that year and they almost blew it away with that uh pick in the end zone but i mean that defense clawed back and they got to lamar and they kind of showed that league that lamar can be vulnerable and if you get to him then you can really knock him off his game and he's not all the world talent that it looks to be when he's like heavily pressured so all respect to the Raiders because they played a hell of a game but uh well who was uh because I this was a bit of a late addition I put to the show but who was a your like player of the week and kind of not 
I don't want to put disappointment on it because that's kind of a heavy word, but who is a player that kind of didn't play up to your expectations this week, and who is your player of the week? So my player of the week was someone I touched on a little bit, but it was Jalen Hurts. I was in the camp that you mentioned of the, I guess, haters before. I did not think he was good, joked about him on social media, and I didn't expect it at all. I was completely blindsided. He looked really good, man. The athleticism was there. He was great running the ball. He looked poised in the pocket. His ball placement, like not only were they, was he getting it to receivers, but it looked like he put the ball in it wherever he wanted it, right in their hands. Very quick time to throw. It was like 2.1 seconds um, average time to throw, which is top five, I want to say, of, of all quarterbacks, which is super important as well. I was very, very impressed. Yeah, a player that I look at is on a similar thing is Kyler Murray because he has a lot of weight on his shoulders and a lot of pressure on him because people – he was drafted one overall. A lot of people call him overrated. A lot of, He's too small for his size. And when you're going up against a heavily – I know he doesn't play any part in this, but when you're going up against the Titans, they have a very heavy offense who has the potential to put up high points. So you got to kind of go shot for shot with them. And he did his point – he did his part in putting up 38 and he by time a lot. And like you said, he showed discipline by standing tall in the pocket and, you know, loading up and slinging it and not just being the mobile quarterback that everyone thinks he is. So, but I want to, I want to point out another guy and this is a very sleepy kind of pick, but I think it's one that stands out to me when I saw this and I really hope that these are correct because I'm picking Rashawn Slater for the Chargers because I don't know if you saw the stats, but on 49 pass blocking snaps, zero sacks, zero hits, zero pressures, and zero hurries allowed on one of the top five defenses and one of the top sevens in the entire league. And it was his first regular season game in the NFL. Oh yeah, uh, the there's a, n- a number of these games I rewatched um, on Game Pass since they happened, and that is one of them. And he, he was somebody I was watching specifically because you know it kind of hit me after that you know against this front, and it didn't jump off the screen that he was getting whooped or anything, and he looked phenomenal, which is not easy. Again, like we said earlier, most rookies don't come in looking like that, and he might be the the Tristan Wirfs of this year where he just hits the ground running, and he looked great. Yeah, is being Herbert and knowing that a pick that is doing what everyone was hoping that he would do is just like probably so relieving, like a Quentin Nelson to Andrew Luck. You saw the year Andrew Luck had when they got Quentin Nelson to the fold. Herbert knowing that he has probably the most important part of an offensive line, your blindside blocker. Being able to allow zero against Chase Young. Chase Young had to go to the other side because he couldn't get past Rashawn Slater. And that that shows something against a, a lot of people's picks for defensive player of the year. So, But um, who was the player that disappointed you this week? Uh, again, a guy I touched on, but it, it's Josh Allen. And I, I went over some of the reasons why and he didn't look good. But the reason he is disappointing is, even though I was expecting personally some regression, I know it's a good defense, but man, this is why they paid you what they paid you. You're 
because you're supposed to be able to overcome in games like this. And he, he kind of folded a little bit and and that's, it's a little worrisome. Once you have that money tied up in a guy that's you, you now don't have the cap space to build a world beating roster around him, you know, through free agency and stuff like that. It's going to be harder. He's going to have to elevate and he's going to have to overcome these good defenses. And he didn't. No, yeah, I uh, I totally get, um, I totally agree with you. But um, player that disappointed me, and I hate to say it, but it's Aaron Rodgers. He just didn't. Yeah, if like if you're gonna hold a grudge for that long, like I think you have to kind of show that you're worthy of the money you want, or and you also have to show the league that I know you're Aaron Rodgers, but you still can't show any sign of regression because people don't know if he's trying to be petty. Or if he's just falling off a cliff, right? And if people are going to trade for you, then they got to see the Aaron Rodgers that everyone thinks you are. So that's a player who kind of disappointed me. And also Lamar Jackson. I think he could have done a bit more. And I know you lost a bunch of running backs, but he carries the ball like over 10 times a game anyway. So I think you got to be able to come back in a game with – your arm as a quarterback. And I think he just was kind of put on blast for that. But week two, I have some games highlighted, but what are um, some games that you're looking forward to this upcoming week? And just like any ones that kind of stand out to you. There's a, there's a few good ones. Um, Cowboys chargers. That was one I I saw too. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, those are teams that that both impressed this past week and there was a lot of even maybe still is a lot of question marks around them so it'll be it'll be really cool to see how that one plays out um what other ones did you have another one that i saw that could be interesting is tennessee versus seattle but after the way tennessee played i think seattle could carve them up but also i think that titans offense could potentially carve up seattle's defense because yeah. I, Seattle also has some holes on that defense as well. So I think that could be a shootout, potentially. And another one that I could kind of see go crazy is Buffalo-Miami. That's what, That was one that I was looking at as well. Because there's some people saying that Miami could contend for the AFC East. And if, yeah, you're on that train? Yeah, I actually, I picked them. You picked, picked them to win the AFC East? I did. Yes. I mean, after the way Buffalo played, it's not a bad prediction. I said they could contend. Right. I thought Buffalo would take the AFC East, but I did say Miami could contend because they're built pretty well from top to bottom. But, um, yeah, what are you kind of expecting from that game? Ooh, I don't even – like, I don't know what to expect because it's – I think Buffalo's in a similar spot, except they're now going to be at Miami. Um, you know, it's going to be hot. It's not typically doesn't get like that in Buffalo. It's, it's a legitimate whole field advantage for the dolphins. Um, and another good defense in a different sort of way. I think they're more scheme and secondary than Pittsburgh, which is a lot up front. but still I'd even rather have a defense that's better when it comes to scheme in the secondary than, than up front. So how uh, is, is Josh Allen going to have another disappointing game or is he going to be able to, um, 
you know, elevate and 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 beat this team in a, in a very important game already, you know, down a game back to Miami. If you go and lose to them, you're putting yourself in a hole pretty early. And and I think they're going to have to put up points because I don't think Buffalo's defense is good enough to stop Miami with the weapons they've got, especially with Will Fuller coming back. So it'll be really interesting. And it's a very important game for both teams as well. I um I totally agree with you there. Uh, it's going to be a matchup that I think a lot of people are going to be uh, looking forward to. But uh, Taryn, on the show, we I run a segment called Time for the Press where people send in questions and we answer them on the show. Uh, first one comes from Jeremy Spoken. Is Derek Carr underrated? Ooh, uh, I think so borderline top 10 quarterback in my eyes somewhere in the, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 range. And people talk about him like he's Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff. And I could see some of the similarities in play style sometimes, but I, I think he's a hell of a lot better than that. You know, people forget that this is a guy I want to say in 2016 before he hurt himself, he was on pace. He was probably going to be the MVP. Yeah. You know, you put some talent around him and, and he can, make some things happen. And I would definitely would say he's underrated. Same here, because I think he's very overlooked on a year to year basis. And he always over produces on everyone's expectations. Like he overplays everyone's expectations of him going into the season. So why wouldn't he be considered underrated if he's playing above expectations every year? Like everyone says he sucks. Right. Like Vegas needs a new quarterback, but it's like Derek Carr, He's competent every single year. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I think he's overlooked and underrated. Um, last question comes from Hayden. Why do people see the Green Bay New Orleans game more of a bad game, bad week for Green Bay and not an amazing week for New Orleans? That's a really good question. Um, he is a Saints fan too, and he was very stoked about the win. Okay, yeah. I mean, as you should be. There was definitely some, a lot of encouraging things uh, from New Orleans, but I but I do agree with consensus that it was more of a bad game by Green Bay. And the reason they view it that way is because this was the highest scoring offense in football yeah. last year, and they couldn't do anything, literally, in the ground, on the ground, in the air. And like I touched on earlier, the Saints, it's not like they have a world-beating defense. They're solid, but especially in the secondary – you know, with Aaron Rodgers, you expect them to be able you expect him to be able to dice up that secondary. Yeah. And then the other side of the ball, a new DC, there's all this hope, you know, players finally blooming in Darnell Savage and Rashawn Gary. And then the whole defense just falters as well. So I would say that's probably why they view it more that way. Yeah, I um I'm on board with that. I think a lot of people were just expecting more points towards Green Bay. So I think that's that was like the highlight of it. But I I've seen a lot of people say that New Orleans was playing played good and a lot of people are talking about that but I do agree with Hayden how a lot of people were more viewing it as a bad week for Green Bay instead of giving the praise for New Orleans but I'm sure it'll come after this game and I think their expectations are rising a bit but Taryn this was a very fun episode thank you so much for coming on uh this is your time to let the people know where they can find you anything you're working on yeah just uh Take it away. Sweet. Yeah, I had an awesome time, man. This was a lot of fun. Um, 
You can find me on Twitter. That's where I'm most active uh, at Taryn Caravella. I'm just, you know, randomly tweeting about all sorts of football stuff, especially during games. My Twitter feed just pops off. Man. Uh, <laughs> I love um, it though. I love it. <laughs> and then uh, I uh, also actually have my own podcast. Uh, we do pretty much all sports It is at the dump off. Um, and I also write articles for Brodo Fantasy. You can follow them on Twitter at Brodo Fantasy. And uh, that's where you get all my stuff. That's awesome, man. Uh, thank you once again for coming on. Guys, you know where to follow me on Instagram at Jevin.Lefave. Uh, on Twitter at Jevin Lefave. Find everything for the show at Left Side Heavy underscore. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube Left Side Heavy. Uh, once again, like I stated, posting full video podcast, so it's another way to consume the episodes. And intro-outro music is Savage by Tom Ivory featuring Six Man, part of his Get Well Soon mixtape, anywhere you get your music. But Taryn, once again, thank you so much for coming on, and we will see you guys next time. I just got a let go. Went from ducking and fucking, and now I got put in the friend zone. There's no need for discussion, I just really love how you get low. But I'm dipping, I'm cutting the shorty, and we're being ten toes, ten toes. I, I just gotta let go, call me a Benzo, pay it all cash, I won't take no rentals, killing my.